All right, here's another one. Podcast Sean and Colin Read the News is delighting listeners with off-the-cuff humor and the day's latest headlines. Uh, yeah, and it says that the show is dumb and the hosts are dumb and they have small, dumb brains. It definitely does not say that. What? It does say every Wednesday they have interesting and hilarious guests. And it says here they were banned from Olive Garden for demanding that the restaurant adopt them legally. Where Where are you getting this stuff from? From Sean and Colin Read the News. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 45 officially behind us, we thought it might be fun to take a look back at the season as a whole and discuss some of its most memorable moments, standout hosts, and exceptional sketches. I'm Catherine Coleman, and with me this week are straight white Canadian men Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion, and if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free episode, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, here we go. So... Season 45 has come and gone. We started out with a series of promising hosts. You know, up top, they went ahead and told us we were going to have Eddie Murphy coming in. Mm. A lot of excitement coming into the season. And then a screeching halt with the world on lockdown. And <laughs> what a strange time we found ourselves in. And seeing SNL go through that with us it was a, a special season for sure. So I'm excited to get into it and discuss the season as a whole. Mm -hmm. But first, John, I think you have some patrons to thank. I do. Yeah. We would like to give a shout out to Georgina from England, uh, another European listener. We, we've had a lot of them lately. I don't know what's going on, but apparently they like us over there. And Emily from Seattle. So it's Ladies Week on the Patreon. We appreciate their support. And we're happy to have Georgina and Emily on board. So thank you, ladies, very much for your support. And uh, with that, we're going to jump into uh, a patron perk that we offer, which is they get top billing when we do listener questions. So we've got a few that came in talking about postseason type issues. We're going to start with one from our patron, Jamie Dew, who asks, I would love to know if you think any of the performances on the at-home episodes could be viewed as goodbyes for any of the legacy cast members that might not come back next year. All right, loaded question. <laughs> this really just boils down to our cast change speculation question. We get one every year. Uh, so you guys can interpret this however you want. Who's staying? Who's going? Did we get any winks as to where we might be when season 45 ramps up in the fall. Yeah. It's hard to say who was planning to leave pre COVID, maybe reconsidering that now. Mm -hmm. And maybe for at least a half a season, we'll see uh, cast members that we otherwise would not have seen back yeah. just for that reason that, you know, given the circumstances, we couldn't give them a proper goodbye. And it would make sense to me if, if that happens. But yeah, it's, it's hard to say because without that real finale feel that we're used to and what we're used to seeing for send off sketches. Yeah. It's really hard to see where they're at for who's planning to come back, who's planning to stay. Right. And now with everything up in the air, it may not even matter. Yeah. Yeah. I 
you know, I sort of agree. I think we were feeling like it was going to be the last season for especially a lot of our girls, Cecily and Aidy and Kate, you know, who have sort of reached the end of their contract and are big names and feel like they may have some other projects to go to. And I felt like we were getting a lot of Kate and Aidy duo sketches, and that was maybe, you know, them, you know, we were, we were giving them what they wanted to do as sort of <laughs> right. their last season. And then, you know, Cecily, we've we've been feeling, and especially if you look at her Instagram, just sort of a feeling that she has a lot going on and, you know, is maybe ready to say goodbye. But I agree with Steve with the coronavirus thing. It's I think that has to have thrown a wrench in the plans of these people more than likely. I think for me personally, I know it would be really hard to say goodbye to something under that circumstance. Right. And not come back for at least a couple episodes, if not the, you know, first half of the season. So I think we're probably going to get most of our friends back Mm -hmm. for at least a few episodes to say goodbye. If not, you know, maybe they'll just do a whole nother year for us. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot of angles to this because of all the curveballs we've been throwing this past spring. Um, a couple things to consider. First off, is anyone going to be scouting? Are any of the sketch improv houses and theaters and the, the typical stomping grounds where they recruit from? Those are all vacant, you know, no, yeah. no people are doing stuff online and more and more, you know, that can get you noticed by SNL. So it's not like SNL can't still keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on, but does SNL want to do any hiring when they can't do that sort of like thorough scouting season that they do throughout the the off season? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that just, you know, puts them at a disadvantage where they might not have anyone on the radar that they're just really a hundred percent gung ho. We have to get this person in the cast right away. And maybe they just punt for a season. So there could be that. And then if you don't have fresh people coming in, then there's not as much pressure on the budget for other people to exit, which may work perfectly well for them since we don't know if there's a movie industry anymore or a TV <laughs> industry anymore. So, you know, all these, you know, options and projects that, that people were developing, in these uncertain times, as much as I hate using that cliched phrase, uh, it would be very silly for people to give up the sure thing, the the right. institution that, you know, hopefully would still be happy to have them for another season for the uncertainty of, you know, this burning carcass of a society <laughs> yep. uh, that, you know, exists outside of 30 Rock. Uh, I think anyone that can stick around would be foolish not to. Would yeah. the show be smart to maybe do half season options for everyone? That might make sense because if the world does start to get back to normal and ramp back up and, and the show wants to forge ahead with building out, you know, a, a, a new base for their cast, maybe they want to start tackling that in the new year. Yeah. There's so many angles that the producers could come at this from that who could say. So yeah, I don't know. We're in a holding pattern. It's really weird. Uh, prior to the Corona crazy. I had heard what I consider to be one credible rumor, I guess we'll say, cause I, I don't have it substantiated from multiple sources or from the horse's mouth, but I did hear that one person was definitely done, but a lot has happened, you know, in the last <laughs> few months. So my, my best prediction is I think anyone that can still be at the show in the fall should be at the show. I say, just stick with what you know, and uh, give the world a little bit more time to sort itself out before you make any yeah. big moves. Yeah. Nobody's signing any big contracts right now, <laughs> leading SNL. Yeah. We got another patron question from John Heyman. What do you think the staff will take from the at-home experiments into the main show? Did we learn anything that we can pull back into the show proper that would help SNL to, I don't know, maybe be more nimble 
uh, or just a, a better production? What What do we think? Is there is there any advantage to what they learned over those last three episodes? What do you think, Catherine? Uh, I think hopefully they just sort of come back with more creativity. I think we got mm. a lot of sketches and different angles on things that we wouldn't have necessarily seen uh, if they weren't sort of forced into this new medium. Mm-hmm. So I hope they just bring that same sense of enthusiasm and creativity and kind of a new lens of looking at the show back with them into Studio 8H. You know, there's the obvious stuff of bringing in stuff that worked as uh, recurring gags like the master class. Right. That could be seen as something that they could do going forward. But what I'd like to see more of is uh, animation pieces. Mm. It's really something that kind of fell out of the norm. You know, after Robert Smuggles stopped doing them, there wasn't really anything in place of that. And all the more reason to do it with the use of some of the more modern approaches to animation. You can make animated pieces faster than ever. And I think with their feet to the fire, they've proven that they can get stuff out in time and have it not only work well, but also capture, you know, the visual themes that they're going for, the the eras like we saw with the Ninja Turtle sketch, like that was so, so on point with, you know, what we're used to seeing from that era. That would be something I'd love to see revisited. Sure. Uh, I would like to see that too. I, I think SNL is at its best when it provides as much diversity in comedy. And I don't mean that in the ethnic way. I mean, like in the different forms of comedy that they bring to the table. So having a little bit of animation in the mix, that's great. And uh, so I'd love to see it though, you know, Ethnic diversity in SNL is a good thing too. So don't, uh, don't take me the wrong way on that one. Um, my thoughts, I think one of the, the aspects of the at home shows that I got the most mileage out of was when they took a weekend update feature and they parlayed it into a sketch proper. Yep. What I think that said was, Hey, when you have a knockout character that, you know, kills at the desk, don't confine them, let mm-hmm. them breathe a little bit and be willing to, let out the reins and explore some other avenues. Oftentimes it goes the other way. It's, it's a character that they develop for a sketch. It doesn't quite work in the sketch setting, but the character itself is strong enough that they try to parlay it into a weekend update feature, but that should be a two way street. And we don't really see it go the other direction as often. So I would like them just to, you know, not be quite so rigid in that respect. And just, if you've got a winning character, just put them to good use. Cause that helps keep them fresh. If we see them in a few different scenarios over the years, then when we see them at the desk, it's not like, Oh, it's just the same old thing over and over again. You know, it, it's just variety. It's a spice of life. So the other, the other thing that I think the show learned during the at home episodes is that it's possible for writers and performers and producers and directors to all collaborate effectively over zoom or whatever, you know, whatever app they're using to, teleconference. I wonder if that might open up the opportunity to broaden out the writer's room and maybe pull in people that are LA based that don't want to relocate to New York, but they have a great voice or, you know, they've got something that the show could really make use of. Could we do a lot more guest writing and just widen the tent by allowing people to collaborate on their little pet project piece of the week remotely? If this allowed the producers and writers to get comfortable with that idea and everyone sees that, oh, you know what? It's not that big of a hindrance. If that just brings more fresh voices into the writer's room in the future, then I think that would be a good thing too. So yeah, I I think if anything, this just hopefully teaches them that uh, there's more opportunities to collaborate. To kick off our postseason wrap-up extravaganza, 
uh, our tradition is to do a featured player scorecard. And to frame this conversation, we got some more feedback from T. Jones. So we'll just kind of wrap our heads around this as we go. When you give your takes on how this year's junior varsity fared, what kind of roles do you see them playing on the show in future seasons? So what we're going to do is for each of the featured players, we're going to try and suggest where they're carving out a niche in the show, what, what their role in the ensemble will be. That's kind of, that's kind of the take that we want to give. So to start with uh, Steve, how are we feeling about Chloe? I think Chloe's doing pretty well. I would like to see her integrated into the cast a little more going forward into the next season. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like she was one of the few cast members that actually benefited from an at-home approach to making SNL. Because she was kind of given an edge where everybody's put on this level playing field. So this was the time for single performer monologue type pieces to shine. And with her wheelhouse of talents as a impersonator with all of her voices and characters she does, this was probably the best thing she could have asked for because mm-hmm. it really did allow her to shine. Hopefully that in turn gives writers a little bit more confidence in writing her into sketches and we can see her just really blossom in full. Gotcha. Catherine? Uh, well, not to spoil my opinions on all of them, but what a standout bunch of featured players. And uh, <laughs> sure. Whew, Chloe had a great season. Uh, like Steve was getting to, especially in those at home episodes, uh, she had an advantage in being comfortable with that format mm-hmm. and doing, you know, she's been doing her Instagram videos for a long time. But even before that, I felt like she was coming in really strong. She had a lot of support going into the season, a pretty big fan base already. And just such great impressions. I think she's sort of gearing up to be able to take the place of someone like Kate uh, doing those Mm. impressions and especially a lot of political impressions that we would be, you know, losing when Kate decides to leave. I think Chloe is definitely in her wheelhouse to step into that role and uh, do some of those really impressed with Chloe and really excited to see her come back. Hopefully. Interesting. (laughs) I always find it dangerous. And and for me (laughs) personally, (laughs) uh, a little, for me, it's a little frustrating to try and like, say they should take the place of this player or that player or whatever. Cause I feel like if you look at the whole history of SNL and all the players that have come through, there are very few that you can be like, well, he was a, that type, right? It's such a a unique thing being Mm -hmm. able to fit into the SNL ensemble. And I don't think many people know when they're brought into the show. I don't even think the producers necessarily know exactly where people are going to find their fit in the show or how history will remember them as what type of player they were. Um, I think back to the opening sketch of the infamous season six of SNL. You've got the whole cast basically in bed facing camera, and they're all basically introducing themselves as which of the original not ready for primetime players they're supposed to be like. You know, like Charles Rocket, he's like, I'm kind of a cross between Chevy and Bill Murray. And, you know, Gail Mathias is, well, I'm kind of a cross between Gilda and, you know, and down the line. And the whole cast does that. Mm-hmm. And I, I always remember watching that sketch thinking, oh, that's so cringy. Because if that's really what the producers <laughs> were doing, like, you know, our cast is leaving. We have to find basically stand-ins because mm-hmm. whatever they had working before, hopefully we can recapture that magic and make it work again by filling all the same people with the same basic attributes and physicality. And, and that just seems like such a bad way to approach SNL. And it turned out it was a bad yeah. way because that season did not, <laughs> did not pan out so great. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm always wary about trying to do that right. with players. So rather than try and think, well, who's the senior player that's on the way out at, that these guys could kind of assume the role of, I like to think of it just more of, okay, what are their strengths and how could that serve the ensemble and sort of leave it there? So that's, yeah. that's, that's a whole big diatribe. And, you know, I didn't mean to shoehorn Chloe into being Kate or anything. Just no, no, no. my thinking with the impressions. And that, that yeah. wasn't on you. That okay. wasn't on you. When, when I read this question from T. Jones, that was my first thought is like, oh, I always hate doing this. And you, you know, you just happened to play right into right. it. <laughs> but, um, for, for Chloe, uh, the thing that kind of got my gears turning and why I went on that whole tear is I kind of see her more as a bit of an anti Kate in a way. Interesting. Uh, one of the things that Kate does that it's really hard for people to put their finger on exactly what's brilliant about Kate's performances, but we all enjoy what she does for some reason. She has just a way of um, just really inhabiting a character at some sort of a fundamental level where her whole body is working in service of the character in a way that is uncannily natural. And I, I can't put it into words any better than any of the other commentators that I've ever heard try to sum up what Kate does, but she does something very special, especially when she's doing characters that she really wants to be playing. Like I, I look at her Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I think that that mm-hmm. really is a, just a, an amazing achievement, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in sketch comedy, the, the way that she inhabits that character and just finds such subtle things to draw out and, and really zero in on where the funny is and mannerisms and performance. So Kate, is surprisingly a very subtle performer in a lot of respects. Chloe, I think is just a big ham. And I think that's, that's great to watch (laughs) for the complete opposite reason, because she's going to take everything and put it over the top and just, you know, I'm going to get laughs by putting myself out there as far as I can go and make this just as big and loud and exciting as possible. So there, there's not quite as much nuance or subtlety there, but it's funny for a completely different reason. And so I don't know if I would suggest that she could take the role of any other player. I just think that you need to have a goofball in the cast and you need to have someone that's a little fearless and says, yeah, I'll, I'll take that and do something fun with it. And they're not overthinking it. And they're just, she seems very game for whatever they throw at her. So mm-hmm. I, I like Chloe in that respect. She just really seems like a, a gung ho fun spunky you know little goof and uh <laughs> so i think that certainly has a place in the ensemble and i think she had a pretty good showing i have nothing but high praise for what chloe does and uh glad that uh, she seemed to have a solid outing and i can't see any reason why she wouldn't be back how do we feel about ego steve i think ego is lovely <laughs> okay and i think this is a cast member you definitely can't find an equivalent for she's definitely a fresh voice that doesn't even tempt you to compare to any other past or present cast member. And this has been some of her best work this year. We've had a couple of years with her now, but things like Dr. Angie Hines, um, her is the cop with, uh, with RuPaul. She's just had some great standout moments. Yeah. She's, she's definitely going to be a, a celebrated cast member and I don't see her going anywhere. I think, She's going to be leading the cast and going to be one of the most prominent figures in years to come. Mm-hmm. Okay. Catherine, do you concur? I do. I adore <laughs> Ego. I think Ego has a very specific voice. If you look at um, some of those the sketches that she sort of brought in with her, especially um, the midday news sketch, mm-hmm. sort of her baby, I think she 
has a specific take on things and she's not afraid to, you know, put it out there. And I think she's just a hell of a performer. Always gets a laugh for me. And I, I think she has a great future ahead of her. Yeah. She was a very well-rounded performer when she got the show. And you can tell she hasn't had as many moments to shine as some of the other players. But when she has an opportunity to really bite into something or to really produce something like the WANU news sketch, which we all thought was you know really fantastic, you can tell that she thinks deeply about her craft and mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, she's smart. She's sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, sure. I feel like there's some voice and there's some edge and, uh, I, I feel like she, she really carries herself well. And, uh, she, she just seems like a very solid performer. Have we ever heard, uh, you know, a missed line from ego or, a, you know, a missed cue? Like I can't think of anything she's ever done wrong. <laughs> and the, the few moments that she's had to do something really right. She did it really right. Yep. So capable. You know, why, why the show wouldn't want to keep her in the mix? I, I don't know. And uh, I mean, I, I think that's going to be the same story for all of our featured players. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, she's definitely a good hire. And, and I think that uh, she's serving the show well. Now, Bowen Yang, he wrote for a year before they brought him into the cast. But a lot of people speculated that this was the obvious trajectory for him, um, not just because of diversity matters the fact that he is asian and that was something that a lot of people wanted to see represented more on snl but just because he seemed to have a voice and and seemed to have something that he could bring to the show as a performer that stands on its own you know outside of any racial or ethnic conversation just as a funny dude um i'm gonna give my take because it's short and sweet i think he's doing fantastic i think he was a great hire i love it when the conversation around a player is something that seems to be like the, the cause du jour, you know, like some people would be quick to assume that maybe the only reason he was hired was because they had a niche that they wanted to fill. But when he can come in and he can say so loud and clear, uh, immediately, you know, like the first time we see him on air that, Oh no, you don't get to underestimate me or pigeonhole me or, you know, typecast me or assume that I'm just here to fill a certain role. I'm like the funniest dude in the building. And by the end of the season, you're all going to know it. Uh, I feel like he just was saying that loud and clear from the first time he got on screen. And uh, I just couldn't be happier for what he was able to turn in. And uh, yeah, just how much fun I had with Bowen this season. Yeah. This guy was just great. He was obviously, you know, on fire in some of the best weekend update panels of the season, but he also has a sort of reactionary spice uh capacity in his Mm -hmm. abilities he can just be added to a sketch in a very minimal capacity maybe he just walks on stage delivers a line and then yeets himself out of there uh but he can just add that extra bit of panache (laughs) to uh, a sketch that's running out of steam and then all of a sudden you're back up to a 10 so bowen is the kind of performer that's just made for snl for sure yep agreed Catherine, final word on Bowen? Yeah, I you know agree. <laughs> it's hard to believe that this is Bowen's first season. He sure. feels like such a veteran. Um, just really strong. I think he has a very specific take on things, and he's pretty versatile. He's good at playing the voice of reason, and he's really good at being the unusual thing. And that's something that's you know great quality to have to be able to play all those roles. And I think, like our other two, I'm really thrilled to see what Bowen continues to bring. Yeah, um, Chloe, Ego, Bowen, they all seem to be having solid seasons. Shane Gillis, 
not so much. You know, I barely saw him at all this season. Um, you know, where was Shane? Like, is is he the new uh, Luke Null? Like, what what's going on here? Don't even. Luke <laughs> Null is a great human. No, and no, no. Shane no. Yes, yes. Uh, I had uh, the opportunity to putts around Cleveland eating pizza with Luke Null last fall. And uh, he's a delightful fella. And uh, everyone knows that I wanted to see him have a longer tenure on the show as well. Um, But for the sake of a cheap joke, uh, I thought I'd I'd (laughs) throw him in there. All right, here's another one. Podcast Sean and Colin read the news is delighting listeners with off the cuff humor and the day's latest headlines. Uh, yeah, and it says that the show is dumb, and the hosts are dumb, and they have small, dumb brains. It definitely does not say that. What? It does say every Wednesday they have interesting and hilarious guests. And it says here they were banned from Olive Garden for demanding that the restaurant adopt them legally. Where Where are you getting this stuff from? From Sean and Colin Read the News. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't uh, we switch gears here, Catherine? You take over and uh, lead us through our superlatives. All right. We're into the best episode. John, what was your best episode? It'll be no surprise that I'm going (laughs) with Eddie Murphy with musical guest Lizzo. Again, I recognize my bias in this matter. It was a real treat to be able to watch that unfold in 8h it's a fond memory that will be with me for a long time so uh that episode rewatching it it gives me the feels but i think it was a solid episode the only real criticism would be you know it was a nostalgia fest there wasn't a whole lot of fresh stuff it was all let's do the eddie murphy show but darn it all if i wasn't ready to watch the eddie murphy (laughs) show so it seems to hold up you know biases aside i think it's a solid episode the general consensus seems Mm -hmm. to be that people just really like that one so how that isn't, you know, a, a classic or, or worth a, a best episode, not a, it, it certainly works for me. It's my best episode. Definitely a very strong contender. Steve, what was your favorite? It is the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I also picked Eddie Murphy slash Lizzo because this was just so infectious. And I guess it was just the relief from wondering if Eddie still had it. <laughs> right. And then not even being like, close to as good as he was but being just every bit as good as he was before was just so satisfying to watch clearly this episode has a lot of advantages that the other ones didn't when it comes to being the contender for best episode but hey i don't care if it had (laughs) a set of loaded dice i will let it run with the wind because you know there's just there's just no rules <laughs> there's no set rules for for picking this so i'm just going to go with how i felt i've received a full document of stringent <laughs> rules i don't know what you're talking about yes well you know <laughs> yeah so i think eddie was a very strong episode with a lot of things going for it but i'm going to you know be the varying voice again i honestly don't know if i can pick between these two i have a strong bias and a Definitely good feelings towards the David Harbour, Camila Cabello episode. But also the Harry Styles episode was a really <laughs> strong episode. There's, it was fun. There's at least four sketches in there that I would just recommend off the bat to anybody. You know, I have a lot of friends that aren't as into SNL and they were wanting to see some sketches from the season. I would definitely throw funeral DJs at them. The Norwegian couple would be a strong <laughs> one. Sarah Lee has a lot of mileage to it. Um, just a really strong episode. But I feel the same way about the David Harbour episode. Plus, I was there. So I don't. Do I have to pick between them? (laughs) Um, It's in the paperwork. It is. It is. I'm going to go Harry Styles. I think it was a little bit stronger of an episode. So I'm going to give best episode to Harry Styles with Harry Styles. That's a good (laughs) choice, my dudes. 
<laughs> you try? Have you a try? try? <laughs> Have you tried? Oh, yeah. No, that one that one was a very charming episode. It was a lot of fun. And it was the one that had that 80 pre-tape where mm-hmm. he's he's the dog, mm-hmm. which yeah, I thought was was great. Sort of a Wes Anderson fever dream kind of a sketch. Yeah. For me, the the best episode, if you got a kind of fall down on one side of the line between a solid episode or one that has like some sort of historical significance Mm -hmm. or staying power just because of some you know x factor about it i'm gonna probably go with the x factor because that's the one people will be talking about down the road but you're right as far as solid end to end harry styles that that was a good outing i can wholeheartedly (laughs) recommend that (laughs) i'm glad i have your approval (laughs) and now that i do because i do thrive off of that uh we'll move on into best host steve Will Ferrell, mm. I'm going to pick. I just love whenever he comes to town and uh, twirls his pistols or whatever <laughs> works in my analogy that I just started. He just is an untouchable performer. He elevates all material that is given to him. There are some sketches in the Will Ferrell episode that aren't really that great at all. And if they <laughs> were done by any other host, they would have been not looked at as favorably by any of us. Uh, but because it was Will Ferrell, they were that much better. And I think this is really the best way to use best host because it's mm. dangerously similar to best episode. Mm-hmm. It's not all down to the host. So it may not necessarily be the best episode of the season, but when it comes to hosting duties and what the host did with what he was given, I really do feel like Will Ferrell sure. took it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good choice. And an interesting thing about the Will Ferrell episode was, for me, some of the strongest material was the cut for time stuff. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, so that was interesting. The audition sketch was yeah, 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 probably the best thing. And the one that referenced the Harry Styles episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, definitely good stuff coming out of cut for time Will Ferrell. John, who was your best host? I think Steve makes a solid case for Will Ferrell because a host that can take middling material and sell it just because they're that good. Well, that's the host elevating a show and making it better because of what the host can bring to the show. For that reason, I think one other person you can look at and say he tends to do the same sort of thing, I think is John Mulaney. He does it in a more understated way. You know, he's not as big as Will Ferrell as far as personality is concerned, but John Mulaney seems to sharpen the shows that he's involved in. And he's comfortable enough there that I think he tends to craft the show and be a lot more deeply involved just because of the nature of how he used to be associated with the show. Uh, so I think that he really can kind of bring a lot of his voice to it. Anytime you get solid stand up for a monologue, I think that says a lot about, you know, the host because they're carrying that chunk of the show just on their shoulders front and center. And with John Mulaney, you get the added benefit of him being, I think the only recurring host in SNL history that rather than develop a recurring character for when they come back, he actually managed to create a recurring theatrical Broadway cavalcade (laughs) blowout sketch to bring the house down. Like that's his recurring character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I don't think that's any small feat, you know, for people to be clamoring for him to come back so that they can have another musical Broadway thing from him, you know, that comments on the worst aspects of New York culture. Like, that's great. I mean, you've really carved out a name for yourself at SNL when you're that guy. John Mulaney, I'm sure will be back every season, you know, as long as SNL's around for the foreseeable future, at least as long as he wants to be doing it simply because he knows how to bring his best to the show and the show knows how to use him. And it's just, it's a very nice marriage when he comes back. And so I I think I'll give it to him. Yeah, definitely strong cases for both of those guys. Mulaney is fantastic. Well, Farrell is obviously legendary. 
I'm split between Styles Harbor and Murphy. I think in a similar vein to Will Ferrell to be said for Eddie Murphy. But ultimately, it's something that David Harbour and Harry Styles both brought to the show was an, a really good enthusiasm. Sure. You know, they were both excited to be there and really gave their all. And I think I'm ultimately going to go with David Harbour because he's someone that, to me, I, I really like him. I think he's a cool guy. He's great in Stranger Things. Wasn't sure exactly how it was going to work out on SNL. You know, it, it could have not gone as well as it did. But he came. He was game for whatever they threw <laughs> at him. He came in with ideas. He brought us the grouch. You know, and I think he had a really strong showing and he was excited to be there. And that's something that I love in any host. Like, uh, you look at someone like J.J. Watt, who we were like, oh, I don't know how, what this is going to bring. But he was thrilled to be there. Sure. And that came through and it gave us a pretty good episode. And, you mm -hmm. know, it, it really comes through in the sketches when they're proud of what they're doing and they're yeah. they're part of it and in awe of it while it's happening <laughs> right so i'm gonna give it to uh david harbour yeah i think that's solid last season liev schreiber was my big yep. like surprise hey first time host don't know what to expect and man that was a fun show mm -hmm. and i felt very similar with david harbour the grouch you know obviously was a tentpole moment for the whole season but when he came out and delivered a very competent monologue where he's a little self-deprecating and <laughs> just really kind of won you over with his presence i was surprised how confident i felt about the show at that point so you're absolutely right as a first-time host he really impressed and you could tell absolutely he was thrilled to be there and mm -hmm. wanted to really deliver a great show and how can that not be infectious so right yeah i can i can dig it and them arms too <laughs> <laughs> all right well up next on our superlatives, the best musical guest. Steve, this was your baby. You wanted this to be a topic, so I'm going to let you go first. I didn't want it to be a topic, and I wanted to give it to Harry Styles because, I don't know, I just really like what Harry Styles does these days. I've liked his last couple of albums, if I'm being honest. I'd rather you lie to us, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to have to be honest. It was a great uh, performance. He's clearly a talented singer. He's like Justin Timberlake. Once you get him out of the, the whole boy band thing, you see that he's actually really a great talent and wasn't just propped up by production and marketing. You know, he really does have something. And that's probably one of the best albums of the year for sure. To this day, I'm singing Watermelon Sugar High to my cats on a <laughs> daily basis. So it has really stuck with me. I'm yeah. giving it to him. All right. John, your best musical guest? <laughs> I'm giving it to Halsey. Um, she is a delight to watch. She makes me feel kind of funny. Like when we used to climb the ropes in gym class, you're doing this bit again. <laughs> yeah, no, like uh, I, I saw the question on the page and I struggled to find any other musical act that was more memorable than how uncomfortable it was to watch Halsey with my wife. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was just uh there, it was an imp an impactful moment, and uh, Halsey, she uh, she knows how to put on a show. All right, but slightly more seriously, I think Chris Martin gave a beautiful performance on the SNL at Homes, and uh, it was a, a performance that just felt very right for that episode. And so I think that that's a uh, probably a more reasonable <laughs> offering. <laughs> but darn it all, Halsey, she's a yeah. cute girl. We had a season. I'm going to differ from John. I'm going to say we actually had a season of pretty memorable musical performances in my book. We opened with Billie Eilish. And her wild spinning room, Taylor Swift's always a big deal, for me at least. We had Lizzo bringing a lot of energy on that Eddie Murphy episode. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, that, that really special moment with Chris Martin on the first at home. Those were sort of my four big ones to choose from. And had Taylor Swift picked different songs, it would be easy <laughs> for me to give it to Taylor Swift because I love Taylor Swift. I think I'm ultimately going to go 
with Billie Eilish, though. I think that was a good way to kick off the season. It's always nice to see someone try something big mm. and succeed and do something new with the space. And so I think that was uh, really great, and I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, it was fun to watch. It's a fun gag. A uh, <laughs> little creepy, you know, the walking on the ceiling <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's that was a lot of fun, and I think that was the premiere, right, Billie Eilish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they always want to do something a little more memorable for the premiere. And I, I think they had a good booking. Yeah. With her. So Penn and Teller did it better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. It's the big one mm. on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate season 45? John? I'm giving it a classic. And a qualified classic because it wasn't mm-hmm. a, an even season as far as, you know, every episode was just stunning quality. This was the season that had the insurmountable challenge of commenting on COVID and producing during COVID. And what they came up with, I think, is going to be a, a case study for a long time, you know, about kind of how the world was reeling and how productions had to adapt and the creativity involved and the collaboration involved, I, I think, is just amazing. There's a, an SNL stories or stories from the show or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. their, their little featurettes on YouTube for this season. There's one dedicated to showing how they produce those episodes and, and kind of getting the, the oral history from the people involved. It almost brings a tear to my eye, mm-hmm. knowing the stick to and the, the passion that everyone brought to that to try and do something good and fun during a, a really weird time. And so I think you got to respect that and applaud it. And I think those episodes turned out so much better than I was expecting. So I, I think that that's a serious win for the season. And you have Eddie Murphy's triumphant return, which is no small feat. So, I mean, that that's going to make the season infamous on its own. Mm-hmm. And just across the board, even though we're kind of mid-election cycle, so it, it's not like turning out great political commentary. And I, I wouldn't say that the writing was like, significantly better than last season. So, I mean, there, there was certainly a lot of up and down that way. Uh, there was still a lot of high highs this season and a whole lot to really get on board with because of the momentous times that we're living in and some of the, the, the crazy unexpected moments that delivered this season. I think there's a story that goes along mm-hmm. with this season. That's classic. Yeah. I think if we take SNL at home out of the equation, I think we have maybe a decent plus season. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. It had some great moments. It had some good sketches, but not overwhelmingly even. Nothing huge that, you know, will definitely last a lifetime of classic sketches. But once you add that into the equation, like you said, it's a story to be told. It is Mm. a classic season. It's something that will be in the history books and something that will be part of this COVID story. And it's just a really special thing that they pulled off. And I think it'd be hard to argue that doesn't provide a classic aspect to it. Yep. So, Steve, do you want to make that argument? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to give it a classic. Before we got into the part that, you know, we all agree, put it into classic territory. I don't know if I would have given it a great or a decent, but it definitely would have been positive for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we did have the Eddie Murphy. We had the John Mulaney, the Will Ferrell. We had a lot of great moments. David Harbour was another. Mm-hmm. Some really great musical guests. Overall, some really great moments from pretty much every cast member. So I feel like everybody got a chance to shine. I feel like everybody involved with the show from the outside brought in really did something great with what they were given. And then, of course, we got into the uh, at-home era of the last few episodes, which was just, you know, mind-blowing. That was all put together and, uh, you know, executed to such success because, you know, who knew? 
who knew that <laughs> they had to do that? There was no preparing. There was no training for this. There was just, hey, this is what we have to do now to put on a show. And they did it. And it went great. This is obviously a classic season just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely a big season and a lot to say about it. Ring the bell. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how we feel about season 45. It's in the books and our superlatives are in the books. I hope you've enjoyed the ride with us. And that is a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com or find us on social media at snlpodcast. But until then, this has been episode number 111 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 